When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Dee Dee Keel, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of the vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, Simplecast, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is another one of those fun episodes for the fun reason of I can't believe I've never done this episode. I keep thinking I've done this one. This one I was really paranoid about. I went and checked... I was like word searching the different band names and stuff. Wow, I've never included that band, never included that band. Put in the word grunge, couldn't find it. So uh, so essentially uh, what, what we're doing here um, is uh, is an associated episode with a couple things I've done. But yes, I've never done this one. This is episode 163. I'm calling it Grunge From Away. Um, and again, even that title sounds like something I've done before, but, uh, but, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I've talked about this on some YouTube channel situation before. I'm not sure, but essentially I wanted to celebrate, uh, some of these bands that I really liked and remind people that not all grunge bands came from Seattle. And actually in my research for this episode, um, I was actually, re- you know, I had the thought reinforced about how many of the grunge bands bands actually did come from Seattle uh, you know obviously the big four but tons and tons and tons of other ones as well so it's it is pretty amazing how many of these bands actually did come from Seattle um, but this is about the ones that didn't come from Seattle um, and as a bit of a preamble as I was looking to see you know what the situation was with the episodes here so back we had episode 129 uh, so did I say this is episode 163 yeah 163 grunge from away so we had an episode 29 which was called the roots of grunge and the reason I want to bring this up is because when I started putting together this episode I was going to put a few things in that felt a little bit rootsy and then I thought you know what there's enough good examples of the actual thing that I'm going to leave the other roots of grunge things out of it um but you know frankly coming from all this it feels like I could do a roots of grunge episode that isn't as rootsy 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 as episode 29 was because episode 29 we included Black Sabbath Aerosmith, Iggy and the Stooges, The Cult, and Soul Asylum. The only one from that batch that stands out as a potential other episode about the roots of grunge is Soul Asylum. Uh, So the idea is, uh, you know... All, all these things you see, uh, you know, it, it was always big news when Kurt Cobain name-checked some band as as an influence or whatever. I mean, we don't want we don't want to make this too, you know, terribly about Kurt Cobain, but um, you know that that's kind of a neat place to start. But but essentially, um, I guess the idea is on a Roots of Grunge episode uh, uh, like that, it would be more so 
these bands kind of uh, between the end of punk proper. So we're talking like between 70. Well, it's more like it's more like bands from 83, 84 up to 88 uh, that were an influence on uh, on the grunge thing you know really coming into view around 1988 kind of thing so yeah that's that's a possible one and i'm probably going to give it away and name and name check it just just name check a few of those bands uh as we as we go through this here and then we can jump forward to episode 159 i called that psychedelic 90s metal and i know in that i talked a little bit about how this has quite a bit of crossover cross pollinization cross cross inspiration with grunge and also, I also threatened to do the Norwegian wood metal episode out there as well. But in that one, we had King's X, Last Crack, Saigon Kick, Liquid Jesus, Mind Funk. And uh, also, um, I realized I'd kind of forgotten in other ones that I could have included. And actually, oddly enough, they kind of feel like they could have been in this episode too. Nude Swirl from New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, Mind Bomb. Uh, the Big F uh, from L.A. Uh, so, so there are those ones, and actually in that episode, probably as I look at this list, the most crossovery one uh, from that list would have probably have been Mindfunk, uh, so could have included them as well. Um, so yes, uh, the, the third point I wanted to make before we get started, uh, again, I guess this is where I'm going to sort of mention or give away or like we could have a full episode on this, but the kinds of bands that I didn't include here... Um, because of the the lacking the purity factor, but also more so, they are uh, they, they are that intermediate sort of influence on on the whole grunge thing. Pixies from Boston, Sonic Youth, New York City, Butthole Surfers, Husker Du is an interesting one. I think it is actually the grungiest bands of those bands that I love to death from the Minneapolis scene. So it was basically replacement Soul Asylum Husker Du. I think you could probably say that Husker Du was the one that or Husker Du uh, is the one that uh, that fits the most. Um, and then and then ancillary to that is uh, is Minutemen and Firehose. I would say uh, Black Flag is another one of these influences with the punk and with the sludgy Sabbath sort of thing going on there. So they were kind of a big influence as well. So so those are some of the bands. Jane's Addiction fits in this, I think, a little bit. Um, and even, you know, it might not sound quite like it, but Faith No More. Faith No More definitely had that sort of inspirational, uh, wow, you can do new things with metal that isn't hair metal sort of thing. By the way, I wanted to just mention that as well. Somebody was talking about... Um, on Facebook, uh, you know, there was a comment made about uh, uh, how how it's kind of a lazy thing to think that that Nirvana killed hair metal, and I thought, okay, fine, it's kind of like a big generalization, but is it a lazy thing, and is it not accurate? I I think it actually is basically accurate. I mean, that is the story; it is the story everybody knows, but it is the correct story. I think I think essentially. Um, the ushering in of this whole grunge thing is what killed hair metal. Um, you know, I've interviewed many, many of those guys, and and they basically say it point blank: all the attention shifted from the Sunset Strip up to Seattle. All the label attention shifted up there. Um, all the fan attention shifted up there. All the excitement, all the all the press columns uh, in Rolling Stone and whatnot shifted up there. Um, so that's essentially what happened. Um, so yeah, we're talking about grunge here. I'm not. I'm not going to kind of go into a big whole thing about what grunge is, but let's just suffice to say it was. It was the next 
form of exciting, dangerous metal, maybe a little depressing, a little heavier, a little sludgier, less rules uh, than hair metal. I thought it was an absolutely cool thing. So yeah, so we are celebrating the bands today that, uh, that were not from Seattle. And the first one I want to play, let's take a listen to our first selection. This is Paw with Gasoline. Change the pain of what you feel You keep it inside You made it real Right. Love Pie. I wanted to play them first because uh, I would almost venture, you know, as I'm looking at these various albums and these various examples, I would say that the Paw Dragline album, so there, there's a grunge thing to do, right? First of all, the name of the band, P-A-W, short name of the band, Dragline. Um, so it's a, it's kind of a two-word thing <laughs> made into one word. It's a single word title. Um, but this came out 1993 on A&M. Uh, all this band ever did, so they're from Lawrence, Kansas, uh, for the record. So all this band ever did was draw uh, Dragline and then the Death to Traitors album, which is uh, 95, also on AM, uh, 14 tracks. Um, and, uh, and even immediately, I mean, Dragline is an absolute masterpiece. It's heavy, it's grungy, it's got the bedheaded Mark Arm, Mud Honey kind of vocal, the Jay Mascus vocal, whatever you want to call it, um, which is kind of, kind of an interesting, amusing part of grunge. Uh, but it definitely has that, the, you know, like, like the I just rolled out of bed and uh, here I am doing my vocal takes uh, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool, melodic, hooky, but heavy, um, grungy, you know, quite aggressive sounding. Um, so they're a cool band. And then the last thing they ever did was the Home is a Strange Place. Uh, unfortunately, it's a, it's a seven-track EP. Kind of weird, eh, that these things happen. So this is way later on Koch, um, you know, Koch 2000. But yeah, it's kind of annoying that, uh, you know, these bands make a half album. I, I Well, we have a whole episode called that, right? I hate EPs or whatever it's called. Um but yeah, check out the Paw Dragline album. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've I've got uh, there's a little write up uh, in Rolling Stone that I'll I'll mention here. A little little uh, I'll, I'll quote a bit uh, from it. In early '92, Lawrence, Kansas, Paw were one of the countless bands being courted by the majors in the immediate aftermath of Nevermind. Um, it's really asinine and out of control. Drummer Peter. Uh, Fitch told Newsweek, wow, <laughs> that year, after navigating the A&R infested waters of South by Southwest. We're just a bunch of scumbags from Kansas in ripped jeans and we're sitting in the best restaurant uh, in Austin eating $35 entrees. That's not that's not reality. So kind of interesting. So, they're, so they seem to be coming into it by the hype around, um, you know, South by Southwest and Austin being, uh, you know, coming up as a music capital. Um, but yeah, this happened all over the country. It's a standard sort of thing of uh, of these major labels uh you know they want to find other bands in this genre because these bands are really blowing up obviously nirvana blew up huge pearl jam blew up huge alice in chains big enough Soundgarden big enough i mean the alice in chains and Soundgarden were a little bit of the slow slow burners but nirvana well you know slow burner i mean nirvana had a whole album before but but never mind was 
you know, amazingly huge, right? Came out on Geffen 1991, September. Um, but uh, let's see what else it says here. Um, amid plenty of chunky, period apt riffing, uh, Fitch, his guitarist brother Grant, bassist Charles Bryan, and vocalist Mars Hennessy gracefully wove in uh, rootsier touches, a lovely pedal steel break on MTV featured single Jesse. Yeah, Jesse's an amazing song as well. That was the biggest song off of it. A fireside folk outro on Sleeping Bag that made their music feel distinctly Midwestern. Pretty interesting. Hennessy's Earth earthy drawl which often rose to a ragged roar and lyrics that painted vivid portraits of child so that whole thing that earthly drawl which often rose to a ragged roar who did that best kurt cobain right it's kind of, kind of the same sort of thing um so yeah pa from uh, lawrence kansas is our first selection let's take a listen to our second track here this is stone temple pilots with silver gun superman Jealousy. All right, so this is from Purple. Wow, so Stone Temple Pilots was a massive, massive, massive band. Of course, Scott Whelan, who you know died um, drug abuse, right? That's the other thing about let's let's remind us that uh, we lost Andrew Wood, we lost Chris Cornell later, but we lost Kurt Cobain earlier on, um, and who am I forgetting? Lane Staley. Um, so yeah, pretty crazy that uh, that a lot of these grunge vocalists died from drugs, right? essentially or or died you know Kurt Cobain it was a uh, well that's that I'm, I mean Chris Cornell is a complicated story but uh, uh, but yeah so uh, well yeah Kurt Cobain I guess as well is a little bit complicated there's suicide involved in that one but um, yeah so the idea here is that um, boy this band was absolutely absolutely pilloried um, because they're coming out of LA so they're coming from the scene that everybody has bad blood about now you know they're looked at as um, as Johnny Come Latelys, like they come onto the scene. Um, well, not Johnny Come Latelys, but put it this way. Um, so the 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 core album, their first album, comes out September of '92. They're on a major label right away, um, but their their scene is coming. Uh, you know. I guess a year later or after the fact, well, with with the album, but I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, grunge has already been going since sort of 88, but it, it was considered a very, very purely grungy album and a grunge derivative album. And the fact that it was from LA rubbed people the wrong way and it really rubbed the band members uh, the, the, the wrong way, Don and, and Rob DeLeo. Um, you know, I've interviewed them. I've sat down with them and uh, in in person and interviewed those guys, and uh, and it really stuck in their craw being called grunge because they considered themselves um, classic rockers with a you know Beatles sensibility when it came to songwriting. Um, yet, you know, it's it's hard to hard to call it anything other than grunge. What came out of it was was you know squarely right in the mean median middle of grunge. The same way I talk about Def Leppard on Through the Night being a pure new wave of British heavy metal album, um, but it really rubbed them the wrong way. And that record core uh, is currently at eight times platinum in America. Wow! And Purple, 
Uh, the one we played this song off of with this kind of stupor, su- you know, stupid title, Silver Gun Superman. Um, you know, Sunset Superman deal and all that. Uh, anyways, Purple, uh, June 7th, 1984. I uh, went six times platinum. So now we're into that into that sort of range in the grunge life cycle where um, there are the bands doing, or there are the records doing these big numbers. Um but we're but we're well into it. We're three years into it being a huge scene. So Soundgarden's records are doing really good at this point. You know, Pearl Jam second and third record uh, are still doing great guns. They're they're doing well. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. And Purple is considered kind of their best record, I imagine. Um, with uh, what's it called, Interstate Love Song or whatever it is. And then Tiny Music came out. Tiny Music is almost there. Alice in Chains Three Legged Dog sort of album. Um, you know, they're getting a little more eclectic. That went double platinum uh let's see number four went platinum uh shangri-la dida went gold so here's the big decline going and then uh you know um eventually you know um scott's gone scott comes back they they do they do another album with scott uh, there's the Stone Temple Pilots. It's kind of like the two the two self-titles. But anyways, that last album, Perdita, with the new guy, it's really, really good. I mean, these guys were and, you know, were back then and always remained like really skillful songwriters and pretty heavy too. Like it's good stuff, Stone Temple Pilots. Um, but yeah, this is a band that was somewhat, uh, was, uh, you know, somewhat derided uh, in this whole grunge thing. They were squarely grunge and they hated being called grunge. Um all right, uh, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's betterhelp.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's move on to our third selection here in Grunge From Away. Take a listen to this. This is Dinosaur Jr. with Grab It. All right, so Dinosaur Jr. is uh, is kind of an interesting one because, you know, they are one of these bands that um, you can pretty much say um, fits in both departments. They, they fit in the department of bands 
semi cashing in on the grunge thing uh, or or finally being celebrated for something they kind of invented. So that's the other thing. They're kind of in there pretty early. They have the Dinosaur album from 1985, You're Living All Over Me from 1987, and Bug from 1988. Now those two albums, the second and third, were pretty... There was a lot of excitement around them in the underground. They were talked about a lot, and they were known by the grunge guys, and they were definitely uh, this band. So they're from... They're from uh, Amherst, uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Uh, so uh, uh, they are, uh, they're definitely a from away, but they're definitely very grungy. And again, um, what do they have that's grungy? They have, they have the melody and the hooks and the gradgy rockness and the smeary drums, but they also have uh, with Jay Mascus. So first of all, they have the Mark Arm bedheaded vocalist, uh, extraordinaire. I mean, he's even, he's even more slacker than, uh, than Mark Arm is in terms of a voice. Um, it, just a hilarious, hilarious, pure grunge voice out of that guy. Um, but I also wanted to highlight uh, on the track that I, that I featured here, our precious 30 seconds, I wanted to highlight the fact that uh, he rips these guitar solos, these big, crazy, classic rock guitar solos. I know I've talked about him before, but he reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the heavy metal version of Neil Young or even Frank Zappa when he does guitar solos. This idea of a parody of a guitar solo, parody of a uh, stadium rock guitar solo. So yeah, so they were they were a big band. Um, well, how big? No, they weren't a big band. Let me correct that. They were they were a big band in the press, but uh, as I noticed, they don't even have a single gold album. Um, so they basically burst onto or 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 emerged onto kind of like the pop culture mass. Uh, mass manipulation, mass media scene with, uh, I would say with Green Mind, 1991, which had a total grunge cover. It had like this black and white picture of this little girl on it. Total grunge cover. The early covers looked very grunge as well. And then Where You Been, 1993, Without a Sound, 94. This is kind of the uh, the, the the part of the catalog where, um, you know, they were critics, darlings, and, uh, you know, in all the festivals and all that. Um, and yeah, very, very grunge album covers in that. We've got basically simple kind of like childish, childlike paintings uh, on the covers of both of these, Where You Been and Without a Sound. A little bit of Raymond Pettibone to them, I imagine. And certainly on Hand It Over, it's even more of a, a kind of like a child child's fridge drawing. Uh, whatever's Cool With Me, we just got a picture of a dog. Uh, in in session, I'm just looking at a few of them here. Yeah, a lot of illustration, a lot of kind of psychedelic, but very sort of simple outsider art on the album covers, which is a very grungy thing. Um, and then, yeah, they kept on making lots of albums. Uh, hand, you know, so Handed Over is 97, Beyond 07, Farm 09, I Bet on Sky 2012, Give Me a Glimpse of What You're Not 2016, Sweep It Into Space 2021. So, so they made a lot of records, uh, but yeah cool band i was so into them the, the first album i remember in my mind is not being very good uh but you're living all over me is really cool pretty lo-fi but bug is a masterpiece i think it's probably the best one so that's 1988 that's right when grunge is uh, more or less being invented on on a large scale uh okay let's move on to our fourth selection take a listen to this this is smashing pumpkins with geek usa
All right, so uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Now, this is uh, definitely um, a little bit of a problematic band. Um, so they are more or less, uh, they're, they're the, the big grunge representatives from Chicago. And I would say they're definitely quite grungy. Um, the Gish album's pretty heavy. Um, Siamese Dream, pretty heavy. I mean, the, these aren't crazy heavy albums, but that's the thing with grunge. I mean, it did break a lot of rules. Uh, so there's quite a bit of poppiness with these guys as well. But there's definitely, you know, the big, you know, uh, pioneering Butch Vig sort of super noisy guitars at times as well. And Billy Corgan as well. Just like Jay Mascus, he could rip off some really rocking, heavy, aggressive stadium rock guitar solos. So that's a cool thing about him as well. And big, big riffs. There's, there's some Sabbathy things these guys do. Um, but yeah, huge, huge band. And they were they were more or less included in this, and, and rightfully so. Um, but not that early, right? Um, Gish is uh, May of 91. It's a platinum album. Siamese Dream was their big breakthrough. So that's 93. That's four times platinum. So, you know, here we are again with a band that is, um, uh, you know, it's it's two years into grunge being really huge. And now they're getting to cash in. A little bit like Dinosaur Jr. But yeah, surprised to see uh, Dinosaur Jr. didn't really cash in in a big way. Uh, and then they put out their, their big massive mammoth double album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, October 24th, 95. That's a diamond album. Uh, but again, uh, as the mystery always goes with these things, is it diamond because it's 5 million and it's, and it's a double, so they just sell 5 million copies probably. So, um, But yeah, talk about massive album. Adore came out, so this is when they really started breaking their own rules and being a little less uh, guitar, bass, and drums. Uh, Adore uh, just went platinum, so that's 98. Machina slash The Machines of God, very complicated title. Uh, that only went gold, and then yeah, what do we got coming up? Zeitgeist, Oceana, yeah. So they so they were around. They made a lot of lot of music. A um, lot of controversy around these guys, of course. You know, Billy Corgan uh, has some controversial views on life and whatnot, and he got in a lot of troubles. So there was a lot of drama, uh, but yeah, they they were a they were a cool band as well, and and I think they definitely fit in this um in this grunge from away thing. Uh, all right, let's move on to our fifth one. Take a listen to this. This is Everclear with Summerland. Wow, I love Everclear. I mean, this is one that um, I almost feel like the the not cool guy picking this one, but I had to pick it uh, just kind of to put my foot down and say uh, I played these guys a lot, constantly. Um, I thought they were great. And what I like about this band, so number one, yeah, this is led by Art uh, Alex Akis, uh, who, you know, this... So they're from Portland, um, and he, you know, he, he he basically is the real deal. He had a really hard life and had problems with drugs and all this stuff, and he was a true, you know, grunge musician guy. Portland obviously isn't very far from Seattle, but uh, but we will include them in here as uh, as being from away. I mean, frankly, Nirvana was kind of from away as well, right? But they're still in Washington State. But yeah, so 
So Everclear, uh, they're they're late arrivals. So this is the kind of interesting thing. They're they're late arrivals, but they are a really good true grunge sound, and they were quite derided. So they're not the cool band, right? They were really put down in in kind of the same way that Stone Temple Pilots was put down. But the first album is uh, World of Noise, 1993. The second album, Sparkle and Fade, uh, which this song is from, uh, which I played a million times. Uh, I, I played that album constantly around that time. Uh, so that's May 1995. It went platinum. That's pretty cool. So they're on Capitol. That went platinum. So much for the Afterglow, 1997. Still pretty grungy band and album. Um, that went double platinum for these guys. Pretty cool. Songs for an American Movie, Volume 1, Learning How to Smile went platinum. Um, so these guys were uh, a very successful band. Um, uh, songs for an American movie, Volume Two, "Good Time for a Bad Attitude," that went gold in Canada, but it didn't certify in the states, and then uh, and then the later stuff didn't certify either. But man, they made a lot more records. These guys were around for a long time. But yeah, I just thought they were really cool. And here's one of the funny things about. Um, you know, you know, I've talked about how I've sold off a lot of my vinyl over the years and quite a bit of CDs and stuff. Well, this, well, this uh, grunge stuff and grunge from away stuff really stuck around. So I thought, you know, sometimes I pull out the CDs just in case, um, you know, there's uh, I, I, um, I, I lose my train of thought or I need something or a prompt. You know, I have a few notes. I don't have many notes on this episode, but I, I have it around just to refer to if I want to look up a year or whatever. So. I pulled out my Everclear stuff, and this is the silly thing about my Everclear collection. So number one, I'm missing a lot of the later ones, but I have uh, two copies of World of Noise, and like I say, I've interviewed these guys, so I think I've got some fully signed of the ones that are fully signed. So this is the funny thing. I've got Sparkle and Fade. One, two, three, four. I have five copies of that album on CD. I have So Much for the Afterglow twice. And I have uh, Songs from an American Movie, um, Volume 2, twice. Uh, and I think I have a Volume 1. And then I have a uh, Slow Motion Daydream. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, these are all fully signed by the, by the three guys or whatever. But uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about Everclear is um, super, super grungy uh, album covers. Uh, so the first one's got almost like a Charles Peterson type photo on it, but it's just kind of a picture of a lady, black and white, but kind of blurry thing. Looks totally, totally like a grunge album, you know, with, you know, sometimes you think, see things like this, it's got the high fidelity stereophonic recording at the top. But then you get to um, Sparkle and Fade, and it's a completely, completely grunge album, or album cover. It's got three childhood pictures of the guys, you know, stretched, elong elongated. So, yeah, so, so these guys completely, completely fit in this whole thing. Um, and, and loved them to death. Their big hit was Santa Monica, if you remember that one. Um, so there you go. There, there, I think, are the best examples of the whole grunge uh, from away thing. But I also wanted to mention a few honorable mentions here. Um, another big band at the time, does everybody remember Silverchair from Australia? They were considered the, the, you know, the baby Nirvana, and the lead singer kind of looked a little like a baby Kurt. Um, the Fluid. Uh, those guys were from um, they were from Denver. 
Um, but they were a sub-pop band. I remember getting that right early on in the whole grunge thing. Sons of Freedom, I wanted to put them in here, but I didn't feel they quite were grungy enough. Um, I'm surprised and shocked to see uh, uh, over 163 episodes. I haven't even included these guys yet, musically speaking, which is really bizarre. I, th I thought I would have had them on an episode or two. Um, Veruca Salt, Chicago, they're late, uh, so they're late grunge. L7 totally fit in this whole thing uh from los angeles the gals uh faith no more we talked about babes in toyland minneapolis uh bush from the uk so they were considered they were considered um kind of like the uk's offering of grunge right and they were quite derided uh as well as being you know wannabes oh you're not from seattle you're you know that you don't count and all this and they were also you know some of these bands are derided also because people are jealous of their success and bush had a lot of success uh that's for sure as well um we had moist from toronto a few other toronto bands eric's eric's trip remember that whole uh, there was that whole grunge light scene from Nova Scotia for a little while there with Jail. Who else is from there? Jail is spelled J-A-L-E. Um, but that was kind of like the poppy grunge thing. So grunge started to become sort of grunge light as, as time went on, right? Um, Sloan fits into the grunge light thing, but they're from here, Toronto. Um, Nickelback. Um, you know, Nickelback was a massive, massive band, and they got, uh, obviously, they're one of the most derided bands in history, but they were kind of a grungy band. But, you know, they're kind of grungy, heavy metal, stadium rock, new country a little bit at the same time. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff combined rubbed people the wrong way. Um, but they were absolutely, absolutely, totally influenced by the grunge thing uh, of the early 90s. Um, Creed is the other band that is completely put down in this whole thing. Creed was so massive, people forget about how huge they were. Helmet, I think, totally fits in this. You know, New York maybe coming from a little bit of a hardcore sensibility, but I thought they sounded like a grunge band, essentially. Puddle of Mud, Curb Dog, Bark Market, The Jesus Lizard, Therapy. Remember, that's another, I guess they're Irish, right? But uh, I think. Uh, but anyways, they're, they're, they're coming from this. They were considered, you know, they were a band that the labels were trying to push on us and they never really kind of broke through in a big way. Blind Melon kind of fits as well. And, and Blind Melon fits in that spirit of, uh, of breaking the rules of grunge. They were a little bit more jam bandy, a little more wistful and whimsical, I suppose. Um, so yeah, there, there's a whole bunch as well. Um, but again, um, just to reiterate, I thought it was pretty interesting how, you know, there really was a reason that um, people said grunge in Seattle in the, in the same breath because a lot of bands, not just the top tier and the middle tier and the small, but across all the tiers lots and lots of these bands as i was looking up were from seattle i was going to include grunt truck in this episode and then i looked them up wow they're from seattle uh i i didn't think they were from seattle or you know well okay so the reason i was kind of putting them wondering uh you know in my forgetting where they're from because uh, they're on roadrunner right so it's kind of cool to see roadrunner get into this as well so they had that there was my sister's machine too right um and they're and they're from seattle uh so there you go uh if you like this episode and want to support future episodes please go to ko-fi.com uh, slash martin popoff hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint on this front this week i would like to thank andy at black sugar transmission bruce campbell laurie ferdinands david fisher jeremy french ryan gavalier dennis lawson jamie laszlo augustine Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, Brian Sager, 
Stephen Samchuk, and Ralph Spurrer. Uh, thank you all very much. Um, it was a big week over here for books. The David Bowie book, uh, you can now order that from me. I got my stash in a month early. That's probably the most lavish, elaborate book I've ever had made for me. It's beautiful. comes in this plastic slipcase with fur on it and um, screen printing and all this. Pretty cool. Um, and the Angel book is back in stock. So I have Angel now, even though my site says sold out. Just message me or email me and uh, and we can sort that out it's 39 us to the to the us same same as it was before so that's back in stock the saxon is back in stock a few other things um but yeah the the big one right now is uh, is the bowie is now available and uh, and yeah all these pictures i've been drawing you can see those at art pal i'm selling those as eight and a half by 11 prints signing them and numbering them and all that stuff uh but you can see all 50 of those that are available now at art pal it's just basically drawings of rock stars with pencil crayons on black ink and then turned into eight and a half by 11 prints uh thanks very much go play some of this stuff and if i'm gonna leave you with any homework at all go play paw dragline find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on itunes spotify or google play please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.